still finally gave the Ringers Philly crew a podcast. I'm Ben Solak. And I'm Shiel Kapadia. That's right, just a couple Philly guys with the new space to fire off some Eagles takes, get caught up in the Sixers chaos, and more. We'll be coming to you twice a week on Sundays and Thursdays, plus bonus episodes whenever we get breaking news or Philly drama. Plus, when Harden and Embiid somehow convince you suckers that this year's going to be different, our fellow Philly stands at the Ringer will have you covered on the Sixers and all your other favorite teams in town. It's Philly sports, Shiel. What could possibly go wrong? Join the fun and follow the Ringer's Philly special now on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hello and welcome to a very unhinged episode of The Answer. I'm excited to record this today with Kyle Mann, who is battling the sniffles. Uh, and I don't say that to be, I, I realize that sounds condescending. I think it's actually a little worse than the sniffles. I'll let him describe it himself. I personally am holed up in a hotel in Vancouver trying to connect back home in a city that has no idea what to do when it snows, despite being Canada. Vancouver, accept your fate. You have to have better preparedness for when it snows. The airport is basically shut down. The train shut down last night. People don't have winter tires. They don't know how to drive here in the snow. Guys, once again, this is Canada. What is going on? Does Canada have like a Julius Randall thing going on where they think they're one thing, but they're actually another? And like maybe that's hurting their productivity. Because like when you say that to me that like like Vancouver is not prepared for cool weather, I'm just looking at the map and I'm kind of like, I feel like you guys, really, guys, that would be what's going on there. Are they in denial about the fact that they're like kind of Canada? Like, I'm just, I'm a little confused by this. I think people in, so the weather in Vancouver is generally better than it is in most of Canada, okay. especially during the winter, but it's not so much better that you can just be so la-di-da about this. And I feel like they're almost trying to manifest into becoming a summer city or something like this place where it doesn't snow all the time. And granted it has snowed more here than it does usually. Like it almost looks like kind of like Edmonton or Calgary would look. Um, Edmonton, by the way, I saw from on an Instagram post, which is, I think the most reliable news source that there Typically, is, yeah. um, <laughs> that the 
wind in Edmonton is going to be the iciest in the world this week. So maybe I'm lucky that I did not get my connecting flight, but eventually I would like to go home for the holidays. So yes, I can see a Hallmark movie (laughs) unfolding in front of us as Sierra records a pod with me. You're right. I'm a little under the weather, been kind of bouncing back and forth, but I think this is the life of a parent uh, in in 2022, uh, soon to be 2023. There's just a lot of viral um, burgoo out there in the world. So you're kind of you start to get sick. You're like, it could be anything. It could be fucking botulism. It could be COVID. It could be I don't know. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a sort of uh, it, it's a mixed bag, and and don't underestimate as a parent your ability to get sick like back to back to back to back. I've done that a few times this fall. Um, had a sickness that went on for like five weeks. I don't even know what was going on. You know, so uh, just trying to hang in there, trying to hang in there, and, and hopefully you said it was unhinged already at the very top. We had a very nice creative discussion before we started our pod mm-hmm. today with our producer, Chris Sutton, Hornet Leg. And hopefully we're going to talk about like, uh, you know, something really, are you really unique? Honestly, a little bit, uh, how it, it's sort of ethereal. It's sort of undefined. It's a terminology. It's a way, and I think it's a way that we try to respect players or give them differentiating kind of levels of respect in terms of their mm-hmm. like generational specialness, the word unicorn, um, I don't know. We kind of we're going to parse that and sort of check in on some unicorns today, right? Yeah, I think we are going to first of all try to maybe define what we think the unicorn unicorn is, um, and then get into some of these guys that through the years. You know, there's Kevin Durant. There's essentially like the original of the species, and is he is he the original of well, the species? We can get into that. We can Start get with into the that. definition. Let's yeah. do that. What's the definition? Well. I would define a unicorn as somebody who is so athletically superior, um, superior in terms of size, and then adds a level of skill and versatility that allows them to essentially do everything. I think the unicorn, this is probably what I'm most interested in. I think the unicorn in the minds and the fantasies of the NBA GM and the NBA fan is a cheat code for the modern NBA. It is somebody who can shoot over anybody who can, you know, has, has the length and the speed and the know-how to basically switch onto perimeter players to contest every possible shot to basically essentially try to answer the, the problem of spacing and shooting that's like peripheral. Perifli- what's that word? Pro- Peripherally? Proliferated. Prol- Why can't Proliferated? <laughs> yes. You know what? I'm going to go with something easier. That's spread through the NBA in okay. the last last few years. Chris, keep that in. I think I think people need to see that we're human. Uh- well, you know. <laughs> let's not be um, too human. Let's not be too human. Um, but I, I think that it's created, you know, the fantasy itself has created a situation where certain players who are that height, that fit, that physical mold have been pigeonholed into trying to be that guy when they're not necessarily meant to. And then we'll also talk about Wembenyama at a certain point in this conversation because we are lucky enough to have you here. Uh, I've seen him. I've seen yeah. him. I've laid eyes on him in person. And you you a made a great times. video about him a couple of weeks ago as well. I made a video. I'll you let made a great video about him. They, they like it, but he's the. I end liked of, it. He's the most current data point on the timeline, basically. I think. But when you yes. when you said the thing about like, um, I don't know that he's the the original unicorn, and people can like reach out to us and like let us know who they think that is. I mean, throughout throughout the history of the game, I think. The idea of the unicorn is sort of this like skill set sort of cross 
crossed with a body type that makes them that they can leverage their size and, and skill in a way that's people just can't reach them. And I think if you th- think back, I mean, over the years, there's been a lot of people that kind of fit that mold. I mean, George Mikan was probably the first, honestly, like dominant big guy who had a skill set. I mean, he was pretty skilled for how big he was. If you go back and watch some of those games, I would say probably Wilt Chamberlain, I would say, is the the guy that is the biggest blip on there because that was the guy who was like a world-class. You just hear all these legendary stories about his athleticism and people just literally couldn't get to him. I mean, it was like really hard to defend him because of how agile and his touch and, and, you know, just on, on and on down the line. But like physically, I think you could talk about like Ralph Sampson, but I think as the game has evolved, some of this ties to what we've talked about, like with Mike Prado, who was on a few you know weeks ago, as skill sets changed, as the game spaced out, this like um, this sort of like importance that's been placed on like jump shooting and dribble jump shooting. I think you saw it. Like I do think that Kevin Durant is historically just based on the fact that nothing had been like him before. Certainly, things had influenced him before, but nothing uh, had like been like him. And then since, like I still think that Kevin is probably one of the main entries in terms of like a skill set that doesn't really happen in a body type. So I th- I do think that he qualifies as a mm-hmm. unicorn, definitely. Okay, but that he's not necessarily the original. That's that's definitely fair. I like that yeah. you I like that you've taken this way back into like going <laughs> to the sixties up until now. And like when I think about guys that maybe bridge what you're talking about, maybe Shaq bridge is part of that. And then Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowitzki, probably in the context that we want to talk about it, I think Kevin Garnett might be the most sort of telling. Maybe even Chris Bosch. I think maybe Chris Bosch is another guy who is who's a this bridge is interesting. between eras. Okay, we could. I mean, we could kind of push back and forth here. I, I mean, yeah. I think Gar- I think Garnett is. I don't know that I would say Garnett was a unicorn. I mean, he. I think he was a little ahead of his time. That's what I would say. I think Garnett obviously was a fantastic defensive player. Like we were, we were kind of talking about the how you would like classify different rim protectors or like versatile defenders. Like I think that he sort of defined this way that a player could be. We saw like a guy who can come out and switch onto smaller players. I don't think he's the first player to ever do that. But then he could also give you like high quality rim protection. He could also space the floor to the extent that we were spacing the floor back then, right? Like, he didn't really mm-hmm. start shooting threes until later in his career, and he could handle the ball and, like, you know, really had... I think one thing that's probably consistent in what we want from a unicorn is perimeter-oriented skills in a big body, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that the the unicorn thing is sort of like pre- prefaced on you could you could even round it down where you're just like is this person a one of one is sort of a thing because being mm-hmm. special but being like special in a way that's going to be like impossible to replicate is like really diff- different because you know I, I do think that anthony davis at at his peak has gotten c- pretty close to like the applications that Kevin Garnett has defensively mm-hmm. would you agree or disagree with that no i absolutely agree with that i think anthony davis is like the guy that i think about when I think about like the, you know, the protege of, of Kevin Garnett, just somebody who just has incredible athleticism, can protect the rim, can jump out on anybody, like really is able to react to any sort of matchup or scheme that an offense throws at him. And that has become a much more difficult prospect. 
it's it's a lot harder to defend now than it was when when KG was in the league, right? But I think with AD, it's like okay, you can he can kind of he can go two on one in a pick and roll, which is to me one of the most important skills. But then he can also switch out onto Steph Curry, and he can also close out onto a shooter in the corner. And you know, like and should we like let's just get into unicorn or not, right? Like we're already in that place. It seems like, and that's something yeah. we're going to talk about, right? Like who is actually a unicorn? So you pushed back against the idea that Anthony Davis. Well, I'll push back against Chris Bosh being a unicorn for sure. I don't know that. I mean, what what about what makes you think Chris Bosh? He's maybe more of a bridge. I think he definitely has more traditional big man skills. But he was, you know, in that Miami Heat system, he was asked to do a lot of things that the modern big man was asked to do. So he he maybe is more of like a, a blueprint for these guys that might be more naturally suited for it. Yeah, I think that there's a difference. There's definitely a difference between like a player. A player who redefines what a position can do. I don't know if we nef- necessarily have like a pl- like a, a word for that because mm-hmm. we you've talked about ad nauseum. Not that we were nauseated by it, but we've talked about it a lot. <laughs> that like the Draymond generation. That like the the there's this certain type of player that we thought had no longer was or that was moving towards extinction. That like if you were six foot six or six foot five and you had played college ball as sort of like a near the basket player. Uh, and and that you didn't necessarily have like a lot of perimeter skills. We were like, well, that guy is probably going to struggle to play in this. Like they didn't necessarily have a spot. I forget who it was that was playing over Draymond in the beginning. I mean, David Lee was a guy that was playing like that. And Draymond's ability, which David Lee, I think, was underrated with some of those Warriors teams, like what he was able to do in some of those like passing situations. Anyway, I digress. But I think Steph is actually an example because we were texting about like, historically special like skill set wise Steph is like I think that people underestimate how he created this illusion that like if you were six foot three that you could do the things that he does like I Mm -hmm. think that he's he's created and changed the game the way we see the game the geometry of the game but I don't necessarily think his physical body type is going to be hard to replicate and for me that's like that's the truest of the unicorns to me like Anthony Davis is a continuation of Kevin Garnett. I think Evan Mobley mm-hmm. is a continuation of that. We're going to see him grow into that role. But a guy like Kevin Durant, a guy like Shaq, a guy like Wilt Chamberlain, I feel like those are genera- generationally more unique and unusual. And that's kind of what I reserve the unicorn title for. Okay, I like that distinction. The stuff thing brings up an interesting point, which is that you can't necessarily replicate some of the things that these guys are doing because of what you said, right? Like, because this type of this body type and skill set only comes around every so often. So while what Steph did kind of set off this, you know, he was an era shifting game changer because some of what he does is replicable because he influenced all these other players to not only work on their three point shot more, uh, but to stretch it out and then to have, you know, coaches really start believing in that shot as well. I don't think that the unicorn can necessarily do that because there's only so many people that are going to be born that are, you know, seven foot three and incredibly agile and also don't get injured all the time. Right. Like 
Giannis is a unicorn, right? I think so because a I think he's probably, and I'm not trying to set this up like, hey, hey, Siri, test Kyle to see like he'll be the final opinion on this. Obviously, I want to go back and forth, but no, I mean, I, like, Giannis, I, I think your opinion matters more than mine in every instance. Stop. Actually, just yeah. quit with the bullshit. All right, so <laughs> I set you up to do that, uh, dumb me. <laughs> There's nothing better than you making me uncomfortable with with your. I just as as, as your podcast co-host, it's actually my job to make you uncomfortable that's what i, I would like argue to the do. opposite um, i you know yeah. i just i like to do things differently than i would maybe i'm like the unicorn of the podcast okay we'll open that but one that forum. just like you know pokes my horns like into your eyes oh i see yeah. i see yeah. don't see a lot of unicorns behaving like that typically i thought they were kind of dignified above above that kind of behavior well like i said unhinged yeah huh okay <laughs> no i think Giannis is probably the best 6'11 or taller ball handler ever in terms of like his physicality and I, I think that like his ability to contort around the basket I honestly there there isn't anything that's totally comparable I think in the history of the game I, I can't think of anything I know you're not necessarily as like interested in the in the older stuff as I or or maybe I'm what? speaking for you there but um I can't think of another player who's comparable in terms of like his ability to get downhill at his size. I mean, like Durant's not necessarily, he's sort of the inversion of that, right? Like I, I think Durant has that size, but he's more like outside in and, and Giannis is more inside out. Santa Barkley is coming to town. He's delivering $20 million in gifts this holiday season to all FanDuel customers. It doesn't matter if you've been naughty or nice. St. Chuck has something for everyone. Just check your FanDuel app for no sweat, same game parlays, bonuses, and all sorts of stuff that'll fill you with holiday cheer. Now, this might be a little bit crazy, but I really like taking the Pelicans winning the championship outright at plus 2100 right now. It probably won't hit, but I really love those odds. And man, would that be a amazing story. So go to FanDuel and I don't know, maybe consider that one. You new to FanDuel? Now is a perfect time to sign up and remember to use promo code RINGERNBA. The app is easy to use. They're always hooking you up with great promotions. And when you win, you'll get paid instantly. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and get in the holiday spirit with $20 million in gifts from Santa Barkley. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in select states only. Prize total dependent on customer participation. Wager requirements apply. Gifts awarded as non-withdrawable site credit or free bets. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 533-42 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. You know what I was going to say, this type of player hasn't necessarily made the rest of the NBA then go and try to find the next one. But as I was thinking that, I realized that I was wrong. Because I think this is actually how we get into what happened with a player like Bull Bull and his trajectory in the NBA, where you know, he came to the Nuggets and like the Jokic Nuggets, who's another unicorn. 
we haven't talked about yet, but whatever. Um, he was essentially this fantasy player, right? Like incredible wingspan, incredible height. Hopefully he'll be able, and you know, also comes with like some level of offensive skill to hopefully be able to play alongside a guy like Jokic and make up for his defensive deficiencies to be a rim protector, right? And this happens with all big men, I think. I think anytime there's a a player with elite size and athleticism, we start fantasizing about what they could do. Uh, But we don't always take into account what their actual skill set is. And I think that's something that Bull Bull really suffered from earlier in his career was this idea of let's park him in front of the rim and he'll just swat away every shot with his height. And basketball is a far more complicated game than that. You can't just put, I mean, there's this, there's this West Wing episode about, you know, what if you, what if you put a sumo wrestler into, um, a hockey net? And just like he would like cover the whole width of the net. And I think that's kind of what we start thinking about when we talk about players like Bull Bull and when we talk about the unicorn. Right. Like sometimes we talk. We skim over the nuance of how difficult it is. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like you have to, you have to move around and like you can even see it with Wembenyama. Like when you watching, like, you know, I'm sure everyone who's listened to this watched like the, the Scoot versus Wemby game. It's not like Wembenyama had Scoot's number like the whole time. Yeah, he blocked a shot a couple of times, but Scoot got the best of him too, right? And that's how this game works. Like there's always going to be some sort of reactive measure to any of these guys. And the place that you, especially on defense where you find an edge is in the nuances and like being able to read and it's going to be in your footwork. It's going to be in how you shift your hips on on a switch and like do you open up too much and those are the things that bull bull has always kind of suffered from right like even now that he's on the magic defense is still not his strong suit he is thriving as like this guy who uses his like ball handling and stride to like move in transition and you know spin through guys and just kind of like shock his way to to uh to to the rim and he can shoot and he can shoot over everybody but he doesn't necessarily have it all on defense and it's kind of interesting like he's one of these guys that's become that you know was sort of an unrealistic fantasy like we're always i think we're looking for answers to solve whatever the you know the the current problem is in basketball right and you look at a player like him and you look at these other unicorn types like i think chris chris boucher is a great example of this as well where you know he came to the raptors who are just by the way like as we all know just completely entranced by this kind of player and didn't really find his way for a long time because despite his size and like what you can imagine him being he's essentially meant to be a spot-up shooter who sometimes drives to the rim and People will get upset about that and say, well, what a waste of size and skill and athleticism. And while every player does have to fit some sort of mold into, you know, whatever is productive on a court, you can't just pigeonhole them into it and say, okay, this is who you have to be. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, the thing about Bowl, I was going to ask you specifically, what do you think he struggles with defensively? Why why is that? Because that just saying that is interesting on its own, like, just we'll start simple. Like what what do you think about like what jumps out to you defensively about him that prevents yeah. him from being that? Biggest thing to me is probably spatial awareness and the understanding of how offense is run. I think he's an easy guy to trick. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I, th- I think if he's like defending on the perimeter, I think it's going to be difficult for him to figure out like, okay, I need to, I need to like 2.9 this, right? Like yeah. I need to, you know, o- avoid the key for the, for this amount of time and like go back and forth. I think that like, if he's a little bit farther away from the play, he's not necessarily going to catch up to it. Now, sometimes he will just because of his sheer length. Right. And you have to watch out for him for that reason. But at, like, I think, you know, you can just, you can use his lack of defensive IQ against him. Yeah. What do you think? I, I always think about like, um, whenever you, I always use this analogy that like pick and roll players like are really good at seeing like five games of blackjack in front of them and like f- and mm-hmm. f- thinking about where they need to, like they're just good at seeing a big board and like surveying multiple problems and multiple variables at one time. Like that's why, Luca's incredible at that. Like he, or you know, you think about the best pick and roll players, and they can survey a lot of information and make the best choice. I don't know that Bowl is always engaged in that. For one, mm-hmm. that was something that like Garnett, for example, was like a master at, one of the best all time of all time, and like AD is incredible at that. Draymond is smaller, but he's incredible at that. He can like see the board and kind of do those like the positional wagers is what uh, wagering is what I always call it. Like they make the bet, like their bets. Bowl A isn't always necessarily totally engaged in a way like that, like that he's not thinking on that level. I don't know that it's not that he's capable of it. I just don't know that it's like, and I was looking at his numbers like this is, he's already reached his career high for the games played in a season at like 32. He's already, he's played 32 games and that's his career high. So I'm kind of wondering if it's like a matter of um, him getting, I don't know. Do you think it's something that he can work his way into, or do you think it's something that we would have already seen by now? I think we're actually already seeing him get better at it. Yeah. Um. So, like, I don't know where the ceiling is with that, but I don't think it's necessarily intuitive. Whereas, like, you know, a guy like Evan Mobley comes into the league and you're like, oh, he knows how to do this, right? Because it's a very difficult thing to pick up on, right? Like, it does it takes some time, but I do think that some parts of it are innate. Like, I think a guy was like, like Christian Coloco, it's somewhat innate. Like, he just sees the court really well, and he's also like, I, th- I think. Mobley's really good at this, where he's able to accurately guess what the pick-and-roll ball handler is going to decide to do more often than not, which is, by the way, one of the most difficult tasks in the NBA at this point because of just the sheer number of decisions that that guy has at his at his fingertips at this point and how how good they've become at shielding it. Like, you know, I think last night's game with Magic and the Hawks is a perfect example. Like, a guy like Trey Young, who you know, you don't even know if it's a floater or a lob until it's out of his hands. Like those are really, really difficult reads to make. And I almost feel like I hate, I almost hate saying that things are innate. Like it feels like a cop out to say that things are innate sometimes. Um, so maybe he gets to some level of that. Uh, but I don't think that he was necessarily meant to be the defensive unicorn that he came into the NBA, like with that, with that, that expectation, you know, we're like at least a, maybe not to the NBA, but to a team that that's what that team needed. And that's a role that they asked him to fill. And it just wasn't really necessarily meant for him at that time. I think for the people who were like watching him as he came up from like, he played at a school pl- called Finlay prep in, uh, in Las Vegas. It doesn't exist anymore. PJ Washington's dad used to coach it. That's not interesting, but he like, if you <laughs> watched him when he was younger, um, I don't know that like if people were thinking like that, if they were, if they did have that expectation for them, I think it like that would have been a lofty, lofty expectation based on what we'd seen just because mm-hmm. of the way he had played and his challenges. I, th- I think the game experience is really, really critical because like he didn't play 
He didn't play at Oregon, really. I mean, he only played like four games. He kind of had the Wiseman thing going on. But one of the things that ties to the unicorn, as we like parse his scouting report, we don't necessarily need to do that. But like, I think one of the things that, that separates like the if you because we have this habit these days and like unicorns a total asinine thing that we made up where we're just like we're just trying to think of a way to label special players like who's the most special of the special like i mean i don't even know if like you could say Jokic is totally like i almost wonder if like Jokic is more like steph where it's like oh a big guy can be skilled and can be used this way it's not like his physical tools are like overly dominant in the same way that like um, Wimbanyama or Durant. Durant is like a rare cross section of like guard coordination and and you know center length and then like shooting touch that we just didn't mm-hmm. see. Um, I think that like functionality is the big thing that I was talking to you about, like in our in our conversations before that kind of keep someone like Bowl where you just look at them and you say like, well, okay, these are like the hypothetical applications of this player, but when we see him out on the floor, there are certain things that prevent him from doing that. And I was thinking about like offensively, I was going to ask you, how much of a believer are you in this situation? Like, have you surveyed this this situation closely? Because like, Bowl will do incredible things with the basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's a real thing? How much confidence do you have in this going forward? Or do you think it's like a short term? Like, that was a cool little thing that he did there. But is this going to work in the playoffs? I guess is the question. I think it's pretty real. I mean, I don't know, like for a team like the Magic they can't really be asking those questions of themselves quite yet anyways. But like, yeah, let's say we were about to take bull and like put him on a playoff team. I think he prevents, like he provides unique challenges. I don't think he's necessarily somebody who is going to be like, you know, your second or third guy by any means, or even your fourth guy. But I think he could be like an interesting sixth or seventh man coming off the bench and throwing out a wrinkle for a playoff team. And like, you know, then all of a sudden, a team like, you know, the 76ers has to find a way to answer for, for Bull Bull. You know what I mean? And it might not win you a playoff series, but it could win you a quarter or two. Yeah, maybe not somebody that's like a heavy load person that you depend on defensively. So, yeah, with the functionality for me, I think some of it you you see this most frequently is that like you'll see a big guy handling the ball often like in situations that don't simulate how difficult it is to handle the ball in the NBA. And I think people have had this these questions about Wimbanyama. Um a lot of it's like dribble separation type stuff. If you really look closely with Bowl, I think it's interesting that like he looks really good in like sequences that are sort of linear. Whenever they start when they whenever they start to sort of jut out and become like it's things are coming from multiple directions, I'm having to make decisions that take into account secondary tertiary defenders you can kind of see the seams with him a little bit like because if bowl is in transition and he makes one dribble move and then he makes a spin and then he like does like a a euro and like cuffs the ball over somebody's head and then dunks it you're just like jesus christ did we just see the next the next special thing in basketball for me functionality is like does it hit a wall in the half court and maybe this speaks to what you're talking about that like in a, in a series where like the, the variables start to get more complicated and stack up um, and the decision-making things, how real he is, I feel like that's where he's going to really get test. And that's going to be like the next step for bowl to jump from like, you know, he does some impressive things. We can throw him in here. We can throw him in as a spot up guy, as a finisher, as a lob threat, um, as a, like a perimeter guy, but not necessarily like a heavy load bearing player. Uh, which doesn't mean that he's like useless. It just means that maybe that's kind of the the threshold that he needs to knock down to kind of go to the next step. That's going to be something that's going to be really interesting to watch with Wembenyama as well. 
like when you watch him play, he does have that same sort of thing. And one thing I've noticed about him, and I don't think this will necessarily bear itself out to be true for his entire career, because one thing I've noticed in talking to people around the league about Wembenyama is just how impressed they are by his frame and how he might be able to fill it out. And Wembenyama himself has kind of talked about how he wants to combine the games of Giannis and, and Kevin Durant and also be his own thing, which like you, you mentioned in your video and also mentioned that like that would be something that would be considered ridiculous if it was anybody else. But he does have the frame to eventually be a player who might be able to use his physicality. But I think at this juncture, he still kind of shies away from that side of things. And he essentially, like, I think is going to have to develop a, a pretty reliable jumper in order to completely fulfill like this potential that he has. Like, yes, he will probably be a nightmare on defense and a menace in transition and a, a matchup problem down low. But I think... Like the interesting outgrowth that we've seen, like again, let's go ad nauseum on the Draymond generation stuff, is that one good antidote to a player like Wembenyama or a player like Bull Bull or like any of these really skinny tall players is to have a Draymond esque guy who can really just get into his base and push him around and get him off balance, right? And that's something that, you know, we're like we're going to need to see an answer to that and it's going to be jump shooting like that was that was kevin durant's answer right like he is just first of all like far stronger than he actually looks and also can shoot off balance in any different type of way so yeah i mean durant's jump shot is something i don't i don't i'm trying to think of like guys in their career who have come in with like one proposition now, granted, like Durant's jump shot is like not a simple proposition. It's not a simple like he stands on the perimeter and just shoots over people. Like the multifacetedness of it, the fact that he can get to it off his right, get to it off his left, several dribbles, one dribble, fade, um, the the variety of ways that he can get to it. I don't want to downplay it, but I mean, mm -hmm. he has one mode that like he's done a good job of like diversifying it. And I'm trying to think of like other guys. Giannis, I think, is like the one of the only other guys in the league who have just been like rim. He has like rim pressure off the bounce, and like that is the thing that he has traded on. And it's just interesting when you're smiling, but like whenever it's just interesting to me whenever a guy has like one simple idea, and you're just like, why is this still something that is so confounding? I mean, like Giannis has won a championship, and it's not not trying to like oversimplify what he does, um, but. It's it's just interesting. I can't think of any other guys in the league who have like traded on more success for like one physical thing that they do. Shaq, I think, falls into this category mm -hmm. too. Um, I don't know. Does that does that make sense? That like, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because did you see that video of Giannis basically essentially saying that like he's you know the luckiest man in the world? Like he just you know he can't you can't be this lucky and have this family and have a championship and have like this body and this athleticism <laughs> and all that stuff and also be able to shoot. Like he's like, you know, God had to make me humble. Like there's just one thing I can't do. I just, I just can't shoot. That was really funny. Giannis is my favorite player in the world. <laughs> I frequently feel that way, except I can shoot. So I, I always, I never end my, you know, I frequently think that all the time where I'm just like, yeah, I just can't, you know, it's, 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 un it's wild that one person could have all these talents, but, uh, you know, anyway, I can, there's one, there's one other person, <laughs> there's one other person that I think that we should talk about 
that that is that I I do think actually is a unicorn in the game of basketball now. But I think before we do that, we should take a break. This episode is brought to you by Honda. There's a lot that could impress you about the all new Prologue EV. True, it's got class leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken, and buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tinder Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. To me, this person is probably the most unique player in basketball and one of the more unique players of all time i think that's zion i think i honestly think that like zion physically like unique would be very hard to replicate what they do i think you could make the argument that it's win Banyama. i'm talking about in the world right now i might mm-hmm. say something wild here but like skill sets yes like durant what he does is very unique very rare i don't know that we're gonna see people they're big tall guys that can shoot the ball I just don't know that we're ever going to see how frequently we're going to see a six foot six guy who weighs 280 pounds, who generates the force that he does and Mm -hmm. moves with the explosiveness that he does. And you're talking about like trading on like a single idea. Zion's going to his left and they still can't stop him. They can't do anything with him in transition. Um, I don't know. I think he's probably him, him and Winbanyama, in my opinion, are the two true one-of-one unicorns in the world right now unless i'm just like forgetting somebody obvious i just i love a kyle man hot take i don't think that's hot at all i think that's like but i mean people may disagree do you what do you think do you can you think of anybody else that's more unique i absolutely love it like i i've thought we've talked about this in the past past in a kind of more esoteric way with like kenny lofton jr but i genuinely think the next 10 years of the nba is going to be like this increasing width like fighting against this increasing height and it's going to be like the most interesting proxy battle ever because like they're kind of two skill sets that are somewhat designed to stop the other one you know like if there is going to be an answer to zion at some point it's going to be some combination of having you know a defender like draymond green or, you know, any, any of the outgrowths of Draymond Green with a defender like Wembenyama on help side, right? Like, it's, 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 that's what it's going to require is somebody who can, you know, keep him from getting where he needs to go. And it's kind of interesting. So watching, watching this, like, Pelican Suns mini series that we've had in the last week or so, 
I'm going to be very interested to see what Zion looks like in the playoffs because I wonder if, you know, by the time game four or five rolls around in the series, if you haven't as a defender started to figure out a few things, because that's, I feel like what I was like starting to see with the Suns, like, especially with Craig, like just being able to figure out the way to, you know, you're not necessarily going to prevent him from getting closer to the rim, but you might give him a tougher angle. Um, you might figure out like the right place to swat the ball from him, which by the way is a very difficult proposition. Uh, but it's gonna, it's gonna be really interesting to see how that, how that plays out. But anyway, that's, that's maybe not really on topic what we're talking about here. Um, but I think that's, that's, that combination of things is essentially what it's going to take. And then if you look at the other way, what's going to be the type of player that stops the Wembenyama? guys it's going to be the guy that has just so much strength on him that he can just prevent him from getting anywhere near the rim yeah that seems like that would be the kryptonite to superman in a way but it's like the that that player let's say prime shaquille o'neal was in the league and could get out on the rim it's like those guys just don't it's one of those things that like we're we're reaching like that the literal heights of like where like what tall people like exceedingly tall human beings that are just rare in the world like mm-hmm. I like I don't know that we're gonna go beyond I don't even know what beyond when Banyama would be are we gonna get like a seven foot eight guy that can do like is there like where at some point like the functionality it all ties back to like what what a player can do on the court I I think like the the dichotomy the duality whatever you want to call it like of that you pointed out is interesting that like. There is sort of this like dual siloed thing going on with like players coming into the league of vertical space flying around. They just kind of address the movement of bas like the movement yeah. within basketball. And I feel like Grant Williams is a good example of someone of like he actually is kind of a good example of what we're talking about of like wh- what can you do with this physical guy who can access and can can contort and spin and like get a put crazy pressure on the rim. It's like well Grant Williams can't block. Giannis's shot at the at the apex he doesn't have a chance mm-hmm. but the thing that he really really does is funnel his like horizontal movement lateral movement really well and you think about like if you take that to to women Yama what is going to be the type of player that's going to bother him let's say hypothetically he gets really strong I'm trying to think of the players who have bothered Anthony Davis over the years. What's what's going to be the body type? Like, is there going to be who who in the league right now? I mean, I'm sure like Embiid's going to pick on Wimbanyama immediately mm-hmm. with this physicality. But a right. few years from now, if he does get strong, what is Robert that? Robert Williams, maybe. You think so? Maybe, maybe. I think Williams has like the combination of height and strength to do it, possibly. Uh, but I think like two years Zion point. It's, I think Zion's going to be a harder proposition. I think the league will actually, because there's also like these other guys coming, like, like Chet, maybe Chet becomes a guy who is a decent answer to Wembenyama. Like there are a lot of guys that are coming in despite how rare they are that are coming in with a lot of height that could be able to do it. Whereas like with Zion, I just, I don't, it's really weird because Zion has been, you know, the most hype prospects for pretty much like the last 10 years, but the league has no answer for him. Like there's no preparation for a player like Zion. We've all, be- we've all become so obsessed with height. It's almost like he like snuck it under everybody and got to the rim. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing to, I think you and I talked about this on a pod back or like around summer league that like some of it is like 
There are unicorns that are sort of the response to the ecosystem that mm-hmm. exists, like where like everybody is zigging in this direction and then mm-hmm. one player comes in and as like the whole league moves towards skinny guys, someone like a bowling ball, like it's sort of like Zion is like an invasive species that has yeah. come into this ecosystem and he's just ravaging it because like there's nothing that anyone could do because he's a zombie unicorn, essentially. A zombie unicorn, you said? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry so for cutting you off there. Keep going. No, that's that's an interesting. I'm sure someone has drawn something like that in the past. But like I think that it's it's especially true now that he that he is like just wrecking people because we have so many guys that are like leaner and mm-hmm. like are more equipped to like be like the spatial generation, basically. And it's interesting to think about like what he what Zion would have been like in like the early 2000s or like the like blood in the garden era Knicks like the mm-hmm. the guys who could like physically I think that's another part of it too is like the way the game's officiated now like makes it impossible to do anything with it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like I imagine earlier era if he just like, he doesn't have the jumper so even you know from mid-range I don't necessarily trust him and like he probably would have suffered a lot more from that in an era where the paint was more packed but at the same time I I almost I feel like I'd have to see it though to actually give you any level of like predictive insight on it because the weird thing about Zion is that he doesn't need space. Like you think you have covered the lane and somehow he is through two guys and you're like how the hell did that happen? Like how was a charge not called? Yeah, I think some of that circles back to the stuff that you like we we think about him as just like you know Zion smash like he's just this powerful hulk mm-hmm. figure who just like has no conscience and he just bullies people but he is very smart and angular about how he does it and I think that's what makes him so difficult to play about is like the kind of angles that he takes whenever whenever he goes to the rim and they've done a really good job of like not making him like a you know, Giannis is tough because he can, you know, he's his like lateral flexibility is so crazy. He can step around people. There's that crazy clip of him against the Raptors, like in like 2018, I think, where he took like three steps, but they were like so insanely wide. Like he mm-hmm. went all the way to the right, all the way to the left, back to the right. That's a different kind of skill set. I think like if if Zion was just like a straight downhill bully, I think it'd be one thing, but he is pretty clever with his angles. Yeah, and so we've now talked about, we've talked about Zion, we've talked about Kevin Durant, we've talked about Giannis, we have talked about Jokic, and I guess my question at this point is, what is the utility of the unicorn taxonomy? Is there, is it anything beyond us just talking about who is fun? Like, is there, is there something useful about trying to group these players together, figuring out how they diverge from each other? What's the purpose of this conversation, I guess, is kind of funny, I guess. Not, like, not too I, much. Like, like, let's not get too existential about this. <laughs> but yeah, like what? In the conversation sense, I think it's just we we want to get, we want to talk about who's the most special. It's sort of the barbershop thing. But then I think mm-hmm. for the true unicorns, I just think there's a level of functionality you can ascend to where it's like, I always talk about like implied things. Like it's so implied that like, it's just something that can affect the way rosters are built. Like if you think about, um, you know, I think teams that know they're going to face off against Giannis have to think, I think that's the highest level that you can get to as an NBA player is like Mm -hmm. when you start to think when the other teams in your conference are like, we have to plan our whole roster around this person because they are so formidable and like and like there's no way around them. We got to go through them. I think that's the highest level in the NBA. And you start thinking about like, I think Shaq is one of the highest examples of this. That like Shaq influenced an entire era. Like if you look at mm-hmm. like, I always point at like the Suns drafting Jake Sakalides back in the day or like all these big like 
just behemoth players who were like were very low skill, but we're like we literally just need fouls, like because Jack. Yeah, Craig Ostertag's whole career. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like I think that I'm trying to think of somebody like Giannis is a good example of that. Um, I I, didn't, I don't know if there's another player who's even really come close, honestly. But I, I think that's the highest level is like we mm-hmm. have to find a way to deal with this player like in our roster building. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be a very interesting decade to see whether teams have to you know, gear their, their thinking towards stopping a player like Wembenyama or a player like Zion because they provide two completely different problems. Yeah, totally. One, one's, one's like an angular, insane. He is still a bully. I mean, in terms of like, he hurts people's feelings, I think, and it's like, makes them feel bad. But, uh, God, he, he's in the, and then, you know, then Wembenyama is weirdly sort of a, a, a face up skill player. You know, we don't see a ton. He doesn't, he doesn't try to like, force it like on the interior i don't know how like much game action you've gotten to watch of him but he's very kind of face up dominant like he, mm-hmm. he's he's way more durant than Giannis. like yeah. if you were gonna like like at like categorize the application of the, his size like he he'd rather shoot over you and i think that's justified because he's got such great touch yeah i mean that's why that that's why that jumper is going to be important but it's going to be fascinating to watch and i look forward to continuing to discuss it with you yeah, we'll circle back and uh, give our unicorn, our unicorn Lisa Frank, uh, you know, bright white color. You from Lisa Frank? Did that reach Edmonton? Did that reference hit you at all? No. Chris Sutton probably knows about Chris. Well, Chris Lisa knows Frank. Everything. Oh, I know Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank was there's a really hot minute. What 10, 12 years ago? Yes, you'll you'll have to Google what? this. Okay. Uh, she just it was all about like bright colors and fantastic, you know, fantasy like unicorns and things like that. And that's just what I always think about when we talk about unicorns. Lisa. Okay. I had sisters growing up. All right, know. I'll check it out. <laughs> homework. <laughs> well, I hope you thaw out up there in Edmonton. I hope the roads thaw out. I hope you can get home, and I and uh, I hope we'll hopefully be in a better place next week in terms of where we are <laughs> and how we're feeling. Thank you, pal. I hope I hope you feel better soon. Uh, happy holidays to everyone who's listening. I hope yes. uh, hope they're great. Hope you guys get a little bit of a break. Hope you get some family time or whatever it is that you're looking for. And, uh, we will talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.